0: Welcome to this edition of Rural Perspectives, brought to you by Egg Country Farm Credit Services. I'm Megan Overby for the Red River Farm Network. And joining us this week in the Rural Perspectives podcast is market education specialist, Katie Tangen. And and Katie, a, a couple different items we're gonna touch on this week, including a new supply and demand report out from USDA, along with some reminders for farmers for this time of the year with upcoming deadlines. And first, let's touch on that. World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates Report, WASD from USDA. Uh, Not a ton in it that's too surprising, but help us break that report down.
1: Yeah, so that uh, came out on Tuesday, and and you're right, there wasn't a ton in it. Um, They did not make any changes to U.S. balance sheets for corn, soybeans, or wheat. Now, you can probably make an argument that there should have been a few tweaks, but remember that we also have two really... Uh, and more important reports at the end of the month, and the first one is planting intentions for 2021, and that is based on producer survey data that, you know, they send out, you fill out the card and send it back or they give you a call. Um, that will be kind of the first official kickoff to the 2021 crop year. Those numbers are undoubtedly going to change, but this is the first producer-based estimate. Another uh, report that comes out that day is quarterly grain stocks. And that particular report holds a lot of interest this year because it's uh, the market's chance to kind of true up USDA's balance sheet. So how many bushels were sitting in various locations on March 1st? That's our chance to see what's sitting in various locations. It shows us, you know, are we lagging behind what USDA? might be thinking in terms of, of the around, are we ahead, how much rationing do we have to do, uh, you know, those sorts of things. So some years it might not be as important uh, this year because supplies are seem to be pretty tight, especially in beans but also in corn. Um, those numbers will be watched pretty closely.
0: Yes, for sure and I know uh, you know this past week there was just some overall more market chat news that broke, you know, now we're we're hearing of ethanol being delivered to China, as well as they're talking, U.S. may have to start buying soybeans. You know, uh, what what's the overall market mentality right now, Katie, if we can sum up what's happened and what is going to happen?
1: I, you know, I think there is some confusion about where we are, especially on the soybeans. Um, we really don't have to sell very much uh, many more bushels, to be at USD's total for the whole year. Now, remember, soybeans are pretty seasonal, so it would be very normal for us to not sell very much um, going forward, and it, it very much looks like South, uh, South America has a good crop. But if we sell even a normal pace of soybeans the rest of the year, uh, it gets to be a little bit of a stickier situation. Now, could we bring in beans from South America? We certainly could. Um, and that has happened in other years. It's not, logistically, it's a little bit challenging, but those beans could very easily come into the southeast uh, U.S. Those could be used for crush, for for poultry and for hogs, and that would ease up some of the demand other places in the U.S., but we, ha- we just have to see where we're at. Um, and then when you look really a little bit further down the road, when we get to that late July and August time frame, the um, U.S. starts to look a little bit competitive again on beans, to go, especially if you go into China off of PNW. That can change. Remember, we have a pretty heavily inverted market. If supplies are that tight, that's the way it needs to be, and it will change as we go ahead. It also raises a lot of interesting questions for producers and for merchandisers when it comes to basis levels this summer, and how are we going to absorb that inverse as we roll ahead in contract value. So there are a lot of challenges that come with higher markets. Certainly, there's a better chance for profitability, especially on beans right now. But it's a a different mindset than what we've been having for the past five, six, even seven years in how we approach selling those bushels. Yes,
0: for sure. Well, still a lot of that story to be told. That's for sure, Katie. Uh, So let's talk about deadlines. We have uh, some deadlines coming up for farmers, and so what do they need to keep in mind, uh, you know, as uh, March comes? And we have ARC PLC, we have crop insurance, uh, a few different things out there. We do. um,
1: You know, there was a deadline for the quality. Uh, Loss Assistance Program that was set for the first part of March. Now, they had some late clarification on some rules and a few other things that came into that with processing that they've actually given an extended deadline on that out to April 9th. So we have a little bit more time on that program. The other line we've had at, at FSA is our PLC choices. Both have to be done by March 15th, the same as your crop insurance. The reason it's set up that way is because under this farm bill, we can make a choice every year rather than one choice and holding it for the entire farm bill. In order to take um, the SDO option, the supplemental coverage option on your crop insurance, that um, crop has to be enrolled in PLC. So there is a little bit of a link there that wasn't as tight before, so you do have to pick Between the two, you get a lot of questions on what's the right choice, and to some extent it really depends on where you are and what the county yield looks like. I can make a choice for both PLC and Art County on corn and beans, however, if you are dry, if you are somebody that's concerned that we are going to have some sort of yield problem this summer, or your county will have a yield problem this summer, Art County is, is probably the better way to go, if that's your concern. So you have to make that choice. And then March 15th, we have to have everything wrapped up for crop insurance. You have to have your coverage levels picked. Um, you know, if you're going to take optional units or, or enterprise units, that all has to be taken care of as well.
0: Yes, well, certainly a busy time of year, Katie, especially as we look outside. Well, I guess most of our windows, some areas, I guess, in your guys' territory did get some snow. There's more snow coming, but, you know, the further north you get, it gets a little drier and farmers are getting eager to get out in the fields. So as we wrap up the conversation, any final thoughts about everything we've talked about?
1: You know, I think when it comes to crop insurance marketing, just keep in mind what you are um, really covering with your with your premium dollars. In a lot of cases this year, we've seen that, that producers can get very close to covering all of their costs with insurance for soybeans. can't quite do it in corn. For most locations, there are a few that we can, but for most locations, it's going to be a little bit more risk on the corn than we have on the beans. Um, obviously, inputs are higher as well. So really, you can change your plan, plans. No one saying you can't, but having those budgets down ahead of time is really going to put you ahead this year.
0: That's the latest edition of Rural Perspectives, made possible by Egg Country Farm Credit Services. You can find out more by visiting agcountry.com. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Megan Overby for the Red River Farm Network.